Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can prepare, respond, and recover from any man-made natural disaster or situation. And my friends, as always, you know, I pump up the guests on this show because it's just amazing that they spend some time with us. And again, just an amazing guest for you today. I got Mario Q on the microphone. He is in charge of the Southeast region. He is one of the coordinators down there. His history, he does some data and analytics work as his job. That was the most I could get out of him on that. He is a veteran of the Marine Corps. He has got an amazing background that is perfectly suited for American contingency. I can't wait to share his story with you today. Welcome to the show, Mario Q. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure here. Never done this before, but uh, we'll give my best shot to come across as clear and uh, concise as I can. Well, that was a great opening statement that was actually very clear and very concise. So you're already nailing it. You're crushing it. Now, Mario did have a little bit of trepidation about getting on the microphone, and I assured him that everything is going to be fun and jovial over here. So I'm going to open up with the best softball question of all softball questions, the one everyone who comes on this show gets. What inspired you to work with American Contingency? Basically, um, I had uh, known about uh, Mike Glover and Fieldcraft Survival uh, for a couple of years uh, going back. And um, I like to buy the products that they had in store from Fieldcraft uh, in those years. We're talking about five years ago or or even longer. And um, so through that grapevine is that I heard that message from Mike uh, doing content and uh, asking people to get off the bench. Um, it, resonate, it resonated with me immediately when I heard uh, what he had to say, the matter in which he said it, it it was something that I I had been waiting for a long time to hear uh, a a very a very moderate message, uh, something that uh, that aligned to my values and principles, and uh, that's that's how uh, I was aware from the very beginning. Uh, I was at the right time, right place, just by coincidence, I would say, but. Um, that that's that's where it all began and uh it hasn't stopped it's uh, it's been a work in progress and and i love to be part of the development that is happening i love finding out how many people saw get off the bench and i saw it well after i'd heard about american contingency because tom rigsby's in my family and it still amazes me like how many people will be feel like they were at the right place right time to hear get off the bench and then they did get off the bench so you're one of obviously so many that found it. Can you share how your experiences in life led you to becoming a coordinator for American Contingency? Because obviously you felt like you didn't just want to get off the bench and join American Contingency as a member, but you actually wanted to be part of the admin team. I mean, you're one of the regional coordinators. What fired you up to become even more involved and what talents did you bring and do you continually bring to AMCON? I would have to attribute that, Jesse, to a lot of people that I'm uh, surrounded by. Um, I don't I don't think I would be able as an individual without the support of my wife, my own family, and, and other people around me to take time away from their time, family time, work time, and volunteer for this uh, reason. But the reason being 
um, what is it that American contingency uh, aims to do? It's it's to better prepare each individual or family or group of people to ha have the resilience to deal with adversity. Uh, that that is really what connects with me and say, I've seen adversity. I've uh, been in the thick of, of adversity uh, for the first 20 years of my life. And uh, the next 30 years of my life, I have been the recipient of opportunity. So I, ca I can gauge what, what adversity is from that standpoint and, and say, there are some things I can talk about here that I have experience with and a lot of things that I can learn from other people. So um, experience-wise, uh, I would say uh, breakdown of society. I've seen it. I've seen the, the kind of a graphic detail of, of, uh, of when a situation on a country uh, goes completely wrong and uh, what happens with people under those circumstances. So that having witnessed that, not by training or school, but by just life circumstance uh, kind of brings, brings me back to uh, what we're doing here in American Contingency and, uh, and trying to explain to people uh, how to really gauge what's bad from what's not their best time. Yeah, we were talking pre-microphone, and it was very interesting, your background, being born in a foreign country for the first 20 years of your life, living there, then moving to the United States of America, gaining citizenship, joining the Marine Corps. Like, you've got these very different, it's the first 20 years of your life, a lot of chaos, a lot of, a lot of you know, like you said, adversity. Then you move to the United States, you see this opportunity. What are people who have been here their whole lives? And regardless of whether they've traveled to other countries or not, it's not the same as being born somewhere else and living your, your very first 20 years there. What are people in the United States missing when it comes to clarity and the actuality of the life we think we're living here versus the way that it could be? Actually, I have had to, in the past, think about answering that question in a simple and truthful manner. And that is the United States Constitution. That is something that does not exist in, in another place, but here in the manner in which exists. And the power and the different, difference that is given to the individual, how individuals are enabled to reach their topmost value as an individual does not exist anywhere in the world. Those amendments, those those bill of rights, um, all, all of that that is uh, often talked about, sometimes uh, worshipped or seen as a, as a cult. That that is what America represents. That it has, even if it's not perfect, or if it's not as people wish it to be, it is. It simply is. And and I have that that perspective of telling you. When there's an absence of a constitution for a nation like we have it, uh, things don't work for the long mm -hmm. term. So um, that 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 is, in an essence, uh, what the difference is: uh, a constitution and the people willing to uh, stand behind it, to not let it just disappear, fade, or or be completely corrupted. Having been born here, in I was a bicentennial baby, so my very first baby pictures were all in front of an American flag. I was 
you know, American flags all over my room as a child. And I knew at a very young age, the power of our constitution, the bill of rights, the, how the amendments help, you know, the three chambers and the checks and balances and all of this stuff. And for people born outside of the United States to see it, you know, from their country, what's going on. And then for you to have this opportunity to come here and now be a citizen and experience it firsthand, the clarity and perspective that you must have that you can now share with others whenever they want to sit here and bemoan the direction we're going in. And you can say, look, I have seen the worst of the worst. We are far from it. And perfection is all about perspective anyways. I feel like America is going in a, in a generally, it's going in a direction, good, bad, right, or wrong is all based off of perspective. How do you see your role in American contingency as being one that can assure people that there are citizens in this country who care about other citizens and are willing to be there for one another in the greatest time of need? At a, at a very individual one-on-one -on -one level with people, whenever I have a chance to come across other members, uh, whether it's a social gathering, training, or just simple fellowship uh, that we may have on a monthly basis with with the teams and the groups, it is really uh, sharing of stories of how the current times, current economical situation that we have, how does that look when things are at their worst, how they look when they're um, less than good, and when we have it really, really good. I, I kind of give that perspective of, of seeing the, the gradient of, uh, let me tell you how bad things can be. And let me tell you where I see that we are based, comparing the worst against where we find ourselves. So a, a reality check. I kind of try to share that with uh, with people, um, even with my own family, even with my children, uh, people around me. Uh, I, I kind of give that reality check of perspective of if you think it's bad, uh, it's not that bad. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just adjust, adjust your expectations a little bit and, and be open to, to comparing uh, how bad it can be. Just that, that's what I try to to impart or or share with people that perspective and uh, not not from a negative way, just from life experience way, not because I read it in a book or I listened to a certain philosopher or uh, a certain mindset. Um, that mindset word keeps uh, coming uh, is brought up a lot here in, uh, in American contingency. Uh, that's uh, Mike Glover's fault. He uh, yeah. <laughs> he spread that word like wildfire. But yeah. uh, but uh, that, well, it's and, a good that, thing, it, though. It's it a good is. Thing. Mindset is a good kerosene to have because I have a couple other podcasts that deal directly with mental health and sobriety and addiction and college people and, and things of that nature. And I talk a lot about mindset. And, you know, I do bring this up. I was like, you know, yes, we may not be thrilled with the direction the country's going in now, but a hundred or so, 150 years ago, even, you know, civil war into that Dust Bowl era where the, where the Plains region had the tremendous drought. We go into the Industrial Revolution where people were living 15 to a house in New York City, right into the Great Depression. And there was, I mean, there was a pretty rough period. If somebody was going to look at America and say, boy, this is about the time it should fall apart, it would have been around that era. And World War II brought us out of that. And certainly we could look now and say, man, things aren't going that great. Oh, damn, this country, it's going, it's going down the crapper. It's like, man, we, we are 
anybody from 150 to 100 years ago, if we were to bring them in a time machine to today, they'd look around being like, are you guys crazy? This is amazing. You, you are living in a euphoric time. Uh, I guess that's the perspective you're trying to bring people. It doesn't need to necessarily be euphoric, but it's certainly way better than it used to be. Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, I actually try to impart that on on my children, on my youngest uh, six year old, uh, and and I'm a big believer that if I don't get to make things right under one roof, I have no business uh, getting out there and start preaching or or telling people uh, how to live their best life if they haven't figured if I haven't figured it out myself. Um, my perspective or my or my my whole essence of the 30 years that I lived here in the United States is I have managed in my short lifespan to accomplish every single dream that I ever had as a six-year-old child. Whatever I was lacking and didn't have for the first 20 years of my life, I have managed to do over multiple times. And people kind of are taken aback by that comment and then you have to define what a dream is. What is a dream? A dream could be having a, a feast at the table you sit. A full meal, that can be a dream for some people in some parts of the world. So coming here to uh, this great country, this great nation, and, and having not only the ability to do that for yourself, but for other people. You're, you're a force multiplier of good because you know how bad it can be, you can say, I can share this. I have the power to share a meal with somebody else. That very basic thing can be a dream. I can provide for other people after providing for myself. So um, I know that's a, that's a small dream, I would say, or achievable, but uh, you can expand that to a car, to a bicycle, to a toy. To, okay, I, I always dream of having this watch. Well, you can die or you can spend 90, 80 years, whatever length of time of life in any place, and that dream, that dream never comes true. So I look at how that has happened here. Not a watch specifically, not a car, not a house, not a meal, not a certain item, but rather the collection of ability to reach your full potential and pursue your dreams. That, that liberty that exists here is nowhere else to be found with no ceilings. If you reach a ceiling in this nation, there should be also <laughs> some ways of, uh, of, of, of letting you know that you have, because going beyond that, your ambitions can take you there. And we, we surely have people in the, in our leadership or, or, uh, our leaders of the nation that, that have, have already forgotten what success looks like. And, and the, the unchecked ambitions just go on and put us in this situation where, where yeah. the, the bad examples take over and, and people say, well, that is a corrupt politician. Okay, well, that, that is how far humans will go if they don't recognize what value is when their dreams are accomplished or if they never define what a dream is. Uh, for me, I can say I had it multiple times over and uh, that's where my gratitude is born from, saying I, I, I have more than enough. I, I've done more than enough. And uh, 
this American contingency thing is it's a way just for me to tell, tell people, hey, can you recognize that uh, we live in the greatest nation on earth? Can you recognize that? If they say no, it could be great. Well, let me explain why it is. Uh, let, let me give you my perspective of why I think is it's it's a fact. It's not a an opinion. You know, my Fourth of July episode, I talked about that. What what divides us does not have to define us. What's your message around that? Because obviously people are going to disagree. And hey, blessed be that we live in a country where we have freedom of speech. And again, like I said in that episode, we don't have uh, freedom from the consequences of what we say, but we certainly have the freedom to say whatever we want to say. And in this country, we can disagree with one another and we can be very loud about it or we can just do it in our own homes. What you know? What's your perspective on that? ability to say what you want to say and be able to express yourself in, in a manner where you don't have to be afraid that somebody's going to kick in your door and drag you out and throw you in some gulag. I, I say be part of the solution. Um, complaining, usually it's a, it's a popular choice just to complain about circumstance or, or where you find yourself. But uh, being part of the solution kind of empowers you to, to speak up you know what that solution is. Uh, make the contribution. Be the be whatever it is you want to see. I know this sounds cliche, but being the change that you want to see starts with the individual. You know what? It's your household strong. Okay, so if your household is strong, that means you're a strong individual working towards making strong family members, family ties. Spread it out. Spread it out to to the neighborhood, you know. Spread it out to the school board. Uh, you may be happy and and content with the policies on a school board, but uh, you might hear your neighbor say, "I'm not happy." And if you love thy neighbor, you'd say, uh, "I'm gonna go support. I'm gonna go support you, even though I don't have that issue. I have the time. I'm willing and able to do that for my community, for my neighbor, for." Your whoever whoever it is that you want to affect change, positive change, be there for those people. So it's uh, it's it's not activism. I I know what that is very well, uh, but it, it's more of love for your family, your community, your nation. Be that change. Be that change in any meaningful way uh, that you can be um, online. You can do it. You know. You see uh, people uh, signing petitions, getting together behind a cause. And if you're cynical, you would say, well, that's going nowhere. Like right. people complain about voting. Why even vote? Well, if you ever been, if your life has ever been threatened for the simple fact of casting a vote, a ballot for a candidate, if you've never been in that circumstance, then you don't understand how powerful that civic duty is. It's, it's not a it's not a choice, an obligation, a right, a responsibility. It's all of the above. Yeah. It's it's the, the bare minimum you can do as a citizen of this country is, is get out there and say, I'm gonna make my choice and let it be heard. 
I have this this chicken and the the chicken versus the egg ideology with American contingency. So perhaps you can give me an answer to this riddle across the board. Whenever I talk to people from Amcon, they are very much into uh, resiliency, preparing their home, preparing their community. There's this love for wanting to build a strong community, and I wonder, do they come in? with this desire to want a strong community and that's what brought them to American contingency or do they come to American contingency looking for the community and that's what's fueling them. And and I feel like it might be a mixture of both even, but it just, I hear community so much. It's not fabricated. It's not just being said because we have microphones in front of us. It is literally built into our fiber to care about our communities. Is it, what is it? Which one came first? The love for community and then we joined AMCON or joined AMCON and then we discovered we've always loved community? I, I would I would say uh, uh, with certainty, uh, just from meeting so many great folks around and uh, gauging their actual mindset through conversations, through engagement, through uh, every time we gather, uh, we find ourselves covering the, the topics that are uh, define like-mindedness so that is that is something uh, that I, I I had a discussion once with uh, my local team here in Central Florida and uh, the words I used uh, were something to the effect of this American contingency this gathering this team building this community this network whatever is defined as, if you if you look at it carefully, it's it's nothing but a, a a reward for each other's hard work. Everyone has gathered here, has worked hard their whole life, has been a responsible citizen, outstanding citizen, takes care of their family, their household, and just wanted to do more. All of us have that mindset. Every, every member I have come across in American Contingency, I, I've learned how like-minded we are to each other because we all have that, that th- those characteristics of, of membership, I would say. Uh, We've we done the best that we could for ourselves and we wanted more. We want more people to find AMCON and be a part of what we're doing because we're stronger together mentality. Are there challenges and barriers that you come across, Mario, when you're introducing um, AMCON and our ideology and our categories to people? Are there these challenges and barriers you've got to talk people through that might think preparedness is a, you know, is a bunker game? We do get members who are very experienced in, in areas of preparedness and uh, or I would say in certain aspects of preparedness. You have classical preppers as the media has described on their elaborate shows with the elaborate uh, uh, toys or gear or preparation methods. Uh, so we have that that population. But we also have the population who has just been traumatized by a disaster. Recently, I've I've met those members who, the reason for approaching the organization was a terrible experience. Is there something specific that you've dealt with recently that you could speak upon? Yeah, I had members that uh, had uh, moved from the northeast to uh, to here to the southeast region, and and had shared their horrible experience through uh, hurricanes and storms on the coastal area and uh, how 
the circumstances were were terrible for their family. Their experience was was one of we we can never go through that again. It, it was one of those that once is enough to to be exposed to. And uh, their their reason for for that was to join American contingency. Uh, we have it also from people have moved from California as well, from the West Coast uh, to the East Coast because of certain disasters that were devastating. Um, so there, the, when when people come in and uh, even whether they were prepared, they were they are um, seasoned preppers or beginners. I I have to find the common uh, denominator of what, whatever the baseline is that brings us together. That that is my focus. What do I share with this people, with this person, that that can enable us to work together? What what is that? And and what I found uh, throughout this couple of years is it's not a skill set. It's not a, our academic preparation. Is not the job. It's not even though those traits that I say you work hard uh, all your life and you got. Into this position of being able to help others is not even that. Well, I, I say, what is it that we all have in common? We all have to eat. We all have to stand up and eat, sit down and eat, have a meal. That 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 is what glue us all together. And so I start the conversation around food all the time. I just say, let's get together and eat. Why? Because that what what is what is more essential? Uh, I cannot say let's gather around and start breathing. We already do that automatically. Uh, so I say let's let's gather out for a barbecue, whatever, vegan, meat, vegetarian, whatever it is that you're into. Let let's get together and just have a discussion and a conversation about nothing at all, but just each other's company. That I can connect with anybody around the world. It doesn't matter what culture, language, or background they have. We all have to eat, so that's 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 what I uh, I don't break down barriers with, but uh, that's what I those are the bridges that I I build. It's around the simplest, most basic uh, human traits. Um, never skill, never is knowledge or experience. It's it's just simple stuff. Um, I can probably elaborate why that is. Uh, having seen a complete breakdown of society before and seeing what actually worked. It was just people's willingness to help somebody else. Even in the worst circumstances, I've seen the best of people at their worst time. That, that is a, an example that I, I witnessed as a child. I was the recipient of, of not mercy or help, but just uh, humanity. Um, so I, I tried to to give back in that manner. And it was good, it was done good unto me. I'm gonna to try to do good unto others. That that's the basic principle. What brings you hope? We talked about at the beginning of the show. In fact, that's been a common theme this entire episode with you, is this idea of you know adversity to opportunity and you know our perspective on what we think is bad it can shift based on how bad we've seen it. And 
certainly I have had conversations with people when I've discussed disaster preparedness and such, who have never really seen the brutal nature of uh, mother nature, just how she can just roar in and destroy lives. And then when somebody does experience it, like everybody in Huntsville did at the beginning of the teens in I think 2011, when people were going out electricity for two weeks and they're like, okay, now we know what it's like to be literally eating the last can of beans in the pantry. What gives you hope when it comes to people's resiliency and willingness to embrace what life can really be if they just are willing to see past their own nose? I'm, I'm definitely uh, hopeful whenever somebody joins uh, the organization. Um, that, that's the easiest, closest circle that I can observe. Outside of that, if I go beyond into uh, society at large, uh, I pay attention to people that learn from or try to learn from from whatever is going on uh, on their lives. To be specific, it's uh, there are people that seek to be aware, and and I believe the awareness it's what I'm, I I have hope or my hope builds every time I I hear someone becoming aware aware of their circumstance, aware of their surrounding, aware of what's really going on in this nation, um, or they're aware where the gas is cheaper. They might be aware where the uh, food, what grocery store has the coupons. That that level of uh, of awareness, it's enough to give me hope to work with people, to say, hey, there is a mindset there. There's a mindset that uh, you're paying attention to what's around you and doing something about it. Um, not sure if that's a great answer, but that that's that's what I understand from uh, being hopeful uh, within Amcon and the society at large. It's just people becoming aware that their circumstance is not fixed. It's variable. Your circumstance is not fixed. It's variable. Kimmy, that is an amazing message. Your mindset that you are paying attention to what's around you and you're doing something about it, that your circumstances aren't fixed. I mean, just a great way to sort of bring us towards the conclusion of your episode. When you look at the current state of affairs of the United States of America, and a lot of people are, they are uneasy about the trajectory of our country. And in fact, the planet at large, oftentimes, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the matter. How do you feel the current state of our union is going and what gives you hope for, again, I'm going back to the word hope, but with that adversity versus opportunity thing you brought up at the beginning, it's just your, your message is powerful, Mario. The country is going in whatever direction people's subjective perspective tells them that it is. The hope that you have for a better tomorrow, where's that coming from? It's really uh, through experience that it has been gained. I did not wake up uh, one day and just decided to be Mr. Optimistic. I actually described myself for many years uh, as a pessimist. People would say, well, I went, I said, no, I'm a pessimist. I'm not a, an optimist. Uh, and then from pessimist, I even called myself a cynical. I said, when, well, you know, just uh, expecting the worst from the world or your life is no way to live. So I, I say my hope is it's a, it's a combination of experience, 
uh, spirituality has played a role, but but also inspiration from from people out there who can define with clear words what the human experience is. So there's a lot of uh, good people to to learn from how they describe our human experience. And if you understand what your human experience is, the value that you can appreciate through being conscious to being, why am I here? Why am I alive? What was the purpose of this? And what do I do every breathing day that I wake up? If, if you can answer that through study, through philosophy, through religion, through spirituality, whichever way you find it, hang on to it and, and develop that sense of, of appreciation for every single day because it's not fixed. Life is not fixed. We're going to get you out of here on this question. I call it the megaphone. Everybody gets their opportunity to share their message to the world. This show obviously can be found border to border and coast to coast and around the entire planet. What is a message you want them to hear from Mario Q today? Yeah, uh, that's... Uh... Got to be uh, as honest and open and vulnerable as I can. I'd say communicate with God individually. Whatever your God is, whatever it's greater than you, whatever you believe has to be greater than you. As for that, uh, to find trust in, in your God, and then on yourself. Without that faith, I'm not sure what there is to this human experience that we call life. Let faith drive you. And in order to have faith, you have to find strength. I say put the faith and put the strength and summon your whole essence behind whatever it is you believe and you shouldn't find that whatever you believe is wrong. You should just pursue that till the end. That is a megaphone answer, brother. Mario, you have been phenomenal. I can't believe how fast. I think we've been on the mic now for a little over 35 minutes. I can't believe how fast that went. I just want to thank you for uh, your openness, uh, your honesty. Definitely felt uh, some vulnerability and just you know some amazing messages there. Faith and strength and trust in your God and your circumstances are not fixed. And that awareness that brings you hope for a better tomorrow. It's uh, a powerful message, one where... This conversation went nothing like I had thought it was going to go to. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your message with us today, for your experience being brought to American Contingency, for how you help those people in your region become more prepared to respond and recover through the informing, equipping, and training. Thank you so much for your time today and for all of your diligent work within American Contingency. I'm sincerely appreciative. Thank you, Jesse. Glad to be here. All right, my friends, that is another amazing episode of American Contingency, where we are moving people from some level of uncertainty to a higher sense of certainty when you're ready to build the skills, the network, and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next. Join us at AmericanContingency.com. We'll be waiting for you over there. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.